hello everyone on youtube and now hello everyone on instagram as well welcome to thursday no it's not thursday it hasn't been thursday for a while tea time history chat we're talking elizabeth the first and robert dudley today because it falls this week on the anniversary of robert dudley's death and elizabeth the first's birth interestingly it also lands on the anniversary around this time of um Amy Robsart's death, the first wife of um, Robert Dudley. So we're going to be talking about Robert and Elizabeth and their relationship. So please feel free to comment. Please feel free to pop your thoughts uh, underneath the video if you're on YouTube or Facebook or as a comment in uh, on Instagram. And I will do my best to keep track of everything. So I am streaming live on Instagram. Facebook and YouTube and you can support me by sticking your thumbs up I think it is on YouTube and I don't know what it is on Facebook but give me some hearts on the screen on Instagram it helps other people find us while we're live if you want to go a bit further you can buy me badges on Instagram stars on Facebook and super chats on YouTube always very grateful for for those thank you ever so much for those of you who do that and of course the way i would really love for you to support me because i can support you back is by joining my patreon which is patreon.com forward slash british history and in there you get loads of things so you'll notice as i go along i will be sort of just saying oh and if you're a patron that happens if you're a patron that happens so there's there's some stuff that goes in there thank you Martha for the badge that is very very kind of you thank you so much um I can see we're being joined from Norway uh Jean and where else is everyone coming from let me know uh on YouTube we've got Becky and Beverly <laughs> yeah Beverly and Kent sweltering from the heat so you know last week I recommended, uh, Linda was uh, watching and Linda is on tour with me. We've got a tour that starts on Sunday and I said, pack a jumper. Well, <laughs> things changed and it is now 27, between 27 and 30 degree heat. We have people in Mexico, Oklahoma, welcome. Thank you for watching. So I actually do have a cup of tea with me this time. I was organized enough. Lottie Rose is in Venice. Wow. Are you on holiday then? Oh, Naxos. Catherine, I love Naxos. I've been to Naxos and Martha is in Mexico. Martha has been very generous and bought me some badges on Instagram. Thank you so much. Um, Becky's in Maryland, also sweltering. Were you freezing last week, though? That's the thing. Lottie Rose, thank you so much for the badge on Instagram. Were you cold last week? Is this, is this just a UK phenomenon where we go from needing the heating on to wishing we'd adopted air conditioning, which we don't. We don't do. Not very well, anyway. Only in American shops like Costa, McDonald's, you get air conditioning. <laughs> um, big shout out to Rachel and Deborah. They have both joined my Patreon this week. So welcome to them. On Sunday, my interview with Dr. Jonathan Foyle goes live for patrons. Um, now, this is the one, if you were with me a few weeks ago, sparked me off on a little rant about the Henry VII and Elizabeth of York bed. 
Olotti Rose, it is divine here as well. Yes, the weather has gone scotchio. Uh, just in time for the kids to go back to school, bless them. Um, yeah, so um, I've completely lost my train of thought. Oh, it's Dr. Jonathan Foyle. And I did a, a video on this this Tea Time Live uh, where I mentioned that he, in his interview, um, he talked a lot about, Jonathan talked a lot about um, the bed in the context of finding Tudor artifacts still, uh, especially furniture, things like that, and um, that there's actually resistance to these things being found for various reasons. And he will go into that in the interview. So if you're a patron on my Patreon, then on Sunday you will have access to that um, that, vid that interview the full extended version where he answers the questions that patrons have put to him as well. That's another benefit of being a patron. You can put your questions to historians that I interview. Um, if you are uh, a Substack subscriber, so I have a free Substack, which if you haven't already signed up to, please do. It's philippab.substack.com. And each week you um, get uh, a newsletter from me for free free um sometimes i have a little muse a little mini blog in there um but it also have has links to any of the videos that have gone live any of the videos about to go live podcast you know etc etc it sort of is a good um it is a good yep um lottie rose i have yes <laughs> seen and dealt i think with the spammer so um uh, that will, yeah, sorry. So if you, so that's the free Substack. That's the free newsletter each week where it sort of summarizes everything that's going on and about to go on. You also, if you're, if you're signed up to that, get, um, you know, a, a, news about the tours as well that I run with British or as British history tours. So if though you are a paid Substack subscriber, um, you will now get the podcast version of Historian Interviews a week before they go live. There you go. That took me a long time to get around to that. There you go. <laughs> that's 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 what's happening there. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Dr. Jonathan Foyle's uh, interview will be live on Sunday to patrons. To everyone else, it's, you just have to wait another week. It's there. Um, Heidi is in the hot Netherlands. Oh, has just made it to the chat. Yes, I, so I've moved the time from one o'clock to three o'clock. So I hope, um, I think think it's suiting people a little bit more. So that's good. It gives me a bit more prep time. We'll see if that shows. Why not? Gail has joined. Hello, Gail. We'll be seeing Gail on Sunday. We are uh, touring Elizabeth the first and Mary Queen of Scots. And as if by magic, I will also be here next Wednesday for a Tea Time Live because I have been fairly organised and I have done a an episode for next week. So you will be able to see me here as well next week, even though I'm actually going to be with Gail going up and a look at some sites to do with Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots. <laughs> so this time next week, Gail and myself will be um, at Heaver Castle, actually. Hmm. So that would be cool. 
Um, if you want to follow along the tour, and why would you not? Um, you can. I'm going to be posting a lot on Instagram. So Instagram, if you're not on there, if following me already, is at British underscore history underscore tours and i'll be posting on there and if you again if you're a member of my patreon you'll be getting some behind the scenes stuff so was that all i wanted to say so we will get into the elizabeth and dudley story in a moment one of the places we're visiting next week is kenilworth castle kenilworth castle um hello caroline how are you doing um and that is uh just I, I love it because it is, and I did a video, gosh, one of my first ever videos or lives, it was a live or a video years ago from Kenilworth as it being the bricks and mortar of uh, representation of the relationship between Elizabeth and Dudley, uh, Robert Dudley. So um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um before I move on, I am able actually to tell you, I mentioned, um, well, my, the online history festival, we do a spring and an autumn online history festival. Hello, Leanne, how are you doing? Um, and last autumn, we did the Stuarts. Uh, in the spring, we did the Georgians. And this autumn, we're doing the Tudors. It's the 15th. No, it's not. It's the 17th till the 19th of November. And I can tell you um, the talk titles uh, now. So we've known the speakers for uh, a few months, um, but I have been keeping under my hat the talk titles. Um, Lottie Rose is saying, Kenilworth is my favourite. It's, it's an amazing place. Heartbreaking, it didn't survive the Civil War. No, so yeah, exactly. Kenilworth Castle is um, was another victim, the very few that weren't, uh, to a slighting order after the English Civil Wars, the 17th century English Civil Wars, um, by which the curtain wall, the outer curtain wall was um, taken down in places, um, but taken down a lot. So basically it makes it indefensible if you slide a castle. Um, there's a massive hole through um, one of the keep walls, which gives a nice view of the... the um, the gardens but that's not the point <laughs> so yes yeah, so we'll be we'll be there next week hopefully the weather will hold out for us um yes right so the talk titles though are just I, I was uh promising you and then we will get on to the relationship between elizabeth and dudley and like i say please feel free to put into the comments um anything you're thinking about it, anything that I say that sparks a thought off, um, you might disagree with me. It's a lot of conjecture. Can you imagine if we were talking about some people who were alive now that we didn't really know or meet, but had an interest in, and we're discussing their relationship and exactly what's going on in there? We'd probably disagree. We're talking about people who lived 500 years ago, so let's discuss. But first, so the Tudors Online History Festival, this November 17th till the 19th all of these people I'm about to tell you about are going to provide a talk to you over the weekend and then a live Q&A panel session on the Sunday so Sunday the 19th where you'll be able to put your questions to them now if you can't make that weekend but you would like to still um, see all the talks and see the live events you can buy a ticket and all of the talks will be available to you until the end of January 2024. I was talking to my daughter about organising, how I organise tours and 
um, go about doing them and the logistics. And she said, is it weird always living in the future? Just made me think then talking about 2024 and I'm like thinking on to 2025. Sometimes I do actually forget what year I'm in. <laughs> Becky, sort of like in the gossip mags. Yeah, we're going to be a little bit, yeah, we're going to we're gonna do some <laughs> semi-informed, informed gossip. So let's do that. But right, first, so the seven talks are going to be from Gareth Russell, Illyri Lynn, Tracy Borman, Joanne Paul, Cat Marchant, Estelle Pronk, and James Clark. James Clark, I, I speak about him all the time. He's I've just released uh, a couple of weeks ago the um uh the series on the dissolution of the monasteries, which James um did with me. Uh I hope if you've watched that, let me know what you thought of it. It's fantastic. So James is going to be talking at the Tudors Online History Festival and he will be talking about Henry VIII and the dissolution of the monasteries. Uh Lottie, is my daughter interested in history? No, not really. So how many people would you know maybe like if I said to you, or oh, do you want to go and see such and such today? And we'll go to a historical place. Would you come with me? My children don't. <laughs> I don't understand when people like cooks and people like that. And they're like, oh yeah, my kids are so into their food. My kids are into everything I do. How did you, how how did you do that? How did you do that? It's magic. My son is getting more into history now. Um, he enjoys um, pre. Norman Conquest, actually, so the Romans and the Anglo-Saxons. So we went to see Rocks to Roman City um, last week and uh, and also some of the abbeys. So you might have seen them posted on my Instagram story. So that's that's why. So, yeah, so the lineup is amazing. So James, Professor James Clark will be talking about Henry VIII and the, and the dissolution of the monasteries. Estelle Perron will be talking about... Um, the pursuit of the mother-daughter relationship, Elizabeth I and Catherine de' Medici. So uh, that's going to be really interesting. I'm really intrigued by this relationship between Elizabeth I and Catherine. Now, of course, Estelle covers that uh, in oh, it's behind me because it was a it was a can't, can't do the pointing thing. Uh, it was a book in our book club this year. Another perk of being a patron. Uh, Blood, blood, excuse me, fire and gold is uh, is Estelle's book on uh, on Cath uh, dual biography, really, on Elizabeth I and Catherine de Medici. But she'll be talking about that uh, at the Tudors Online History Festival. Tracy Borman will be talking about the topic of her latest book, the, her book on Anne Boleyn and, and Elizabeth I. Kat Marchant will be talking about Shakespeare versus the Puritans. I like this idea. She's going into that. Joanne Paul is talking house of Dudley but she's talking about the women of the house of Dudley pivotal in um some of the events which saved the house of Dudley she talks about it in her book she talked a bit about it in the interview she did with me which you can catch on my youtube channel she's going to be going into that in more detail at uh, at the online history festival Elyria Lynn is talking to us about Tudor fashion and the evolution in style at the Tudor court, how that evolved. And then uh, Gareth Russell, my partner in crime on the history tours as well. He'll be with me next week on the Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots tour. At the Tudors Online History Festival, he will be talking about Barnaby Fitzpatrick, which we mentioned, we were chatting about him last week for some reason. Um, so his talk is Edward VI's best friend, the rise, fall and rise of Barnaby 
Fitzpatrick. So those are the talks, your seven talks at the Tudors Online History Festival. All of those speakers will be available to take questions live on Sunday, the 19th of November. So the final day of the uh, of the festival. Um, and if, you, if you're not around, you can pre-submit your question as well. So that is possible. Um, and all of those talks and recordings of the live events will be available until the end of January. So if you want to get your ticket and you haven't already, um, uh, one, if you are a member of my Patreon, you get 10% discount. So that's uh, worth knowing. Um, or if you want to go straight to get your ticket, it is, um, yeah, Timmy the Sixth indeed, um, is uh, you go to the Tudors 2023 dot eventbrite.co.uk so that's the tudors 2023.eventbrite.co.uk and tickets are 20 pounds or the 18 pounds if you're a member of my patreon so there you go 17th to 19th of november it's going to be fab shall we talk elizabeth and dudley let's do that let's do that i'm sure this is going to come up um next week on tour a lot as well but we are in the middle of significant anniversaries in Elizabeth and Dudley's story, which is why I decided to cover it today. Um, let me just get this off the screen and get my comments back up. We are two days after the anniversary of Robert Dudley's death. And tomorrow is the anniversary of, well, it's Elizabeth's birthday tomorrow. So we are in the middle of, of those significant anniversaries. So hence us talking about it today. So they were born about a year apart. Robert Dudley's birthday isn't known for certain. He was the fifth son um, of uh, John Dudley and his, and his wife, <laughs> whose name has escaped me. I think it's that. Um, and... Yeah, his his birthday isn't um, isn't known for certain. So again, another one of these shoot shoot the myth that only girls' birthdays don't get recorded. It's a myth. Please don't be taken in by it. Elizabeth's, however, we do know the exact date of her birthday, seventh of September, fifteen thirty three. So she turns what tomorrow? Someone do someone do the math. What birthday would she be having tomorrow? Um, she was born at Greenwich Palace. Of course, her mother was Anne Boleyn and her father, Henry VIII. Should have been a boy, apparently. Of course, they should have, in, in inverted commas. You know, the letters that were already pre-written um, uh, uh, to send out to announce the birth of the baby had the words prince, it had the word prince, and an extra S had to be added um, for the letters to go out to say that there was the happy deliverance of a princess with an extra S. So, so Elizabeth's born 1533. D uh, Robert Dudley would have been born the year before, possibly in the June of 1532. So they're very close in age. Um, I am not completely sure when or I don't know if anyone is, but I'm, I'm going to be asking some of my historian friends if we know when Elizabeth and Robert actually first met. So we know that they know each other as children. Heron City says 490, I think. Oh, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a, a 10. 
4390. <laughs> and I was just there as well. Happy 490th birthday to Elizabeth I tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so, oh. To write then our diary, she's gonna be, uh, yeah, anyway, obviously, it'd be 520, 33. So, I we know that they already know each other, um, by the time they are both in the Tower of London, whether they already knew each other much. Um, I have read that Robert was, um, brought up as in the sort of would have been maybe in the schoolroom of Elizabeth's younger brother Edward the uh, who would become Edward the sixth um Edward's born in 1537 so he is um he's five years younger than Dudley so I'm 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 not sure how the schooling worked whether that makes makes it less likely that they were together or maybe they were only together for certain things but that would have exposed Elizabeth to to Robert um and then of course by the time um well let, let, when Edward dies it is Robert's um father who's Duke of North, no, Duke of Northumberland excuse me who has married Robert's elder brother, Guilford Dudley, to Lady Jane Grey, now Jane Dudley. And she is the one who is named as Edward VI's successor in Edward VI's own handwriting for his device, what he calls his device for the succession. Of course, we know that that doesn't go well. But Robert... Um, is actually sent to intercept or to bring Mary, um, Henry VIII's eldest daughter, his daughter by Catherine of Aragon, who has been, she was named in Henry VIII's will, although not legitimised, neither, neither had Elizabeth been, but both had been named in the will. But Edward had, Ed, Edward had taken both of them out of the will he'd said no the, the throne cannot go to either of my sisters it cannot go to mary it cannot go to elizabeth because their line is illegitimate so it has to go down the line of my father's youngest sister mary and that is where you get the gray line um so um mary though daughter of catherine of aragon does not take this as a given she proclaims herself queen when she hears of edward the sixth's um uh, death and but around that time robert is sent to go and get her to bring her back to london the, recognizing or the, the family recognizing that um she will be need to be kept secure uh of course she actually manages to raise a, a lot of sport very very quickly and marches to London Lady Jane Grey remains in the tower that she was already in in because she was preparing for her coronation but now she is a prisoner so Robert is incarcerated in the tower as well along with his brothers and his, and his father but his father is executed fairly um fairly quickly um, and then you get the Wyatt Rebellion. 
which was sparked by Mary's, um, Mary's, uh, not just Mary's Catholicism, but the fact that she was wanting to marry Philip of Spain, who wasn't quite Philip II by then. Whenever I say she married Philip II of Spain, some pedant will say he wasn't the second by then. His dad was still alive. Yes, but he became Philip II of Spain. That's how you'll know him. That sets off the White Rebellion, in which Elizabeth is also implicated. So Elizabeth is put in the tower. Um, and so, so her and Robert are in the tower at the same time. Now, potentially, David Starkey surmises that they maybe spent time together when they were in the tower. Either way, they're beginning to have shared experiences here. Um, Robert, uh, well, Elizabeth is um, is released, um, interestingly, on the 19th of May, which is the anniversary of her mother's execution, and sent for house arrest at uh, Woodstock. I think she goes to straight away uh, after that. Uh, Robert is... Uh, is freed eventually, and Ambrose, his brother, um, and they they actually become allies with with Philip of Spain. But if you, if, I'm going to give you at the end of this um, some recommended books if you want to learn more about all of this stuff, especially the Elizabeth and, and you know uh, and Dudley story by understanding both of them and, and everything that's going on at the time. So I actually have a list of homework for you. I've got some recommended reading if you want it at the end. And of course, if you want to be part of a book club where you get to read a book and discuss it, join my Patreon. It's fun. It's five pounds a month. So um, I try and keep it the the, the minimum you, you can. So where have we got to? So um, so, so this, so they are, they are friendly. Lottie Rose was going to ask for book recommendations. I have them. I will give you them at the end. Um, but I'm not clear. And please let me know if you've read anything that seems to clarify this exactly when Elizabeth and Robert meet. But they are close in age. They're beginning to have very similar experiences. I mean, to have both experienced being prisoners in the Tower of London, not knowing whether you are going to be executed is um, probably quite a niche experience that they can then, um, it, it would be it would be unthinkable, wouldn't it, for them to have never discussed that, I would have thought. Um, but then we get to November 1558, and Mary, despite getting married, she's she is she is getting to an age where you'd think it was um, not likely she was going to have children. She was 38 when she gets married, especially her first child. She has two uh, what she thinks are pregnancies, possibly um, uh, uterine cancer, which kills her in the end. And interestingly, the effigy of Mary the first, um, it's in the Jubilee galleries at Westminster Abbey, which we may well be seeing actually um, on the tour uh, next week has it's, it's wooden it's, it's, it's wood and it has a belly as, as in like a pregnant belly. It looks like a, a little pregnant belly, 
which um, I found quite shocking when I first saw it. Well, and it, as in, it was an, I was it was unexpected. I it, I, I just didn't ha- didn't expect to, to see that. Even though you read account after account of of her thinking she's pregnant and um, having all sorts of uh, issues, gynecological issues. Um, but yeah, to see this sort of belly, so it, it potentially cancer, and that would have been possibly the uh, the the tumor. Um, Owen Aga says, it, "Yes, Queen Elizabeth I and second both became queen at twenty-five. Is that right? Was she twenty-five? I never actually have looked at that. She's twenty-five when she became queen, or when she was crowned. Just double check for me. <laughs> so, um." So then November 1558, Mary I dies. Um, now, next week, actually, so my pre-record, the one I've just done, I talk about Elizabeth and Mary Queen of Scots. This is, this is sort of the time where the rift begins, the seeds of the rift between Elizabeth and Mary Queen of Scots um, begins at the death of her sister because... Um, Mary adopts the arms of England in her shield, but that is for next week. Now, Elizabeth becomes queen. She is at uh, Hatfield House and she is, um, she, she finds out she's queen. She very quickly, almost immediately, or immediately, uh, makes, well, she, she sets up her council and Robert Dudley is assigned the role of master of um, of the horse. In that role, that means she is, it was a very intimate role um, at a court with a female ruler. The master of the horse will be out with on hunts with her. He's permitted to touch her, to help her on and off the horse. Um, and he, um, and he, he played a major role in organizing and in the actual coronation service as well. So he rode directly behind Elizabeth in her coronation procession. So he is clearly already a very close friend. He is, however, already married. So Robert had married Amy Robsart in 1550, the middle of 1550, Um, which, which... to me, raises the very interesting question of could they have married, had he not married Amy Robsart, could they have married before Elizabeth was queen? Because remember, it, I suppose by this point, anyone would be a bit daft to think the succession is going to go in the most obvious way. But Mary, um, um, well, well, the point where Dudley marries Amy Robsart, Edward's still alive. And he's going to get to his majority and he's going to, you know, marry and have children. And then Mary, Mary marries and she seems pregnant. Um, but Robert had already married Rob's, uh, Amy Robsart in 1550, probably a love match, but possibly one that he regretted. Um, maybe. So, so married for love, but and, and she was a she was an heiress as well. But they didn't seem to have a permanent home, which was um, interesting. Now, when Elizabeth becomes queen, Robert's at court, and Amy still doesn't have really a permanent home. They're sort of staying at 
acquaintances, friends, well, friends, family. Um, so, but from the very beginning, it is public just how close Elizabeth and Robert are. Um, so, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of attempt to hide this at all. Um, that you know, they're, they're seen laughing together. They'll be going off on rides alone. You know, there isn't really much attempt to hide it. Um, and clearly, others understand the power of their relate of this relationship. I mean, it's 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 commented on on the continent. Um, uh, Mary Queen of Scots at one point, um, in fact, after the death of uh, Robert Dudley's wife, Mary, Queen of Scots, comments that the Queen is looking to marry her horsemaster and that he's got rid of his first wife to make way. Because Amy Robsart dies in very odd circumstances on the 9th of September, so another anniversary this week, 9th of September, uh, 1560, Amy, uh, Amy Robsart dies. She is found at the bottom of a staircase in a house she is staying. Um, and, uh, and oddly, she had sent all of her uh, servants away. So she was in the house on her own, which is a bit odd um, for anyone of this status at this time. The theories are all out there. Could it have been Robert? Could it have been um, suicide? Amy um, is thought to have potentially had breast cancer. Was she in pain? Was she coming to the end of her life anyway? Was she feeling like a burden? She hadn't seen her husband. Um, he's busy with the Queen all the time. Or could it have been somebody trying to frame Robert like Cecil, one of uh, well, Elizabeth's chief advisor to get Robert out the way because he didn't like the influence Robert was having, but also didn't want to um, for there to be any chance of her marrying Robert. Um, which I don't know. I, I mean, you know, unless it was known that Amy Amy was that ill that she was going to die potentially. And her death could be good, put, put to good use as far as Cecil was concerned, that um, that she uh, she may as well, you know, her death may as well serve a purpose. And because the one thing that it absolutely did do that we can be certain about is it made any plans for Elizabeth to marry Robert impossible. Um so let's see. Chelsea says, which theory do I lean toward the most? Okay, I'll come back to that. Um, Lottie, I don't think he would be so careless to orchestrate something like that. He was too shrewd for that. Way more likely he was framed because then his card was marked and he can't marry Elizabeth. Exactly. So I, I suppose, and I would like to read more on this before I would make any kind of... Um,
Sorry, everybody, I'm back. <laughs> That'll uh, teach me to try and swipe while I'm doing this. Um, which theory do I come down on the side of? Yeah, so I would like to do some more reading before I came to sort of a more firm conclusion, but it does seem to play into the hands of Dudley's enemies well. And if Cecil is concerned that Amy's about to die and Elizabeth might want to marry him, then um, it's, it's possible. There's 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 thoughts that Cecil could have... That the reason Amy um, asked all of her servants to leave that day is because she was expecting a visitor, an important visitor, that she couldn't be seen with, someone like Cecil perhaps. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think... I think there's definitely foul play. I don't think it's Robert. I don't think it did him any good. So I don't see the benefit. Um, it could have just been suicide or, um, but I'm not sure. Again, I would like to read more because I'm not sure of the detail of her injuries. There's some account of a hole in her head um, being um, the, the size of a, I don't know, something. Anyway, so uh, I don't know. Um but it did, if somebody was trying to discredit Robert as a potential suitor for Elizabeth, then um, it worked. It absolutely worked. And Argus says, Dudley didn't match Elizabeth's rank. No, but so, so there's the fact that he would have influence on Elizabeth that would have created enemies. And then there's the fact that if she marries a subject and she was well aware of this then she loses any um any potential foreign alliance which she could make and she plays that card for actually way past when she's likely to make a marriage that would create heirs she's still doing it um Estelle goes into this in her book Blood Fire and Gold it's absolutely incredible how long Elizabeth kept up the um the game of potentially marrying into the French royal family or them marrying into her the French royal family marrying into her uh, into the English court um for political advantage hello Ali how are you um so uh yeah either way it it makes it makes a marriage between um to to an August point though as well you know yep um He's not of a, of a rank. Um, now, of course, he is made the Earl of Leicester in, uh, in 1564. And he, it's the same time as well. So because their father had been executed as a traitor, the family's titles and lands um, are con basically go back to the crown. So his elder brother Ambrose hadn't... Um, uh, inherited the, the the Earl of Warwick title. That was reinstated to him and Robert was given the title Earl of Leicester. Um, so, but it's that Warwick uh, link which gives him, which he chose the bear and the ragged staff as his badge. So he's Earl of Leicester, but that's actually Warwick badge. Anyway, so you go. So if you go to Warwick, like we will be on the tour next week. Um, the signposts, uh, the the county signs, all have the bear and ragged staff on them. 
Um, so yes, yeah, so he's made Earl of Leicester. Now this is um, this is part of a odd plan to marry um, Robert to Mary Queen of Scots. So again, she's not she's not um, then it, he's not her her uh, equivalent either. Um, and Elizabeth seems to have this really odd idea that she backtracks from that she could send her loyal Robert, her eyes, as she called him, to marry Mary Queen of Scots and kind of keep Mary subdued. I don't know, some sort of keep her in check. Um, But he's not very up for this. Mary certainly isn't up for it. She basically says, no, thank you to your cast-offs. And this is when they decide to send up Darnley instead to see her, which obviously turns out um, turns out to be a mistake because she marries him at the drop of a hat and then he shows his true colours as the womanising drunk that he was and uh, he eventually ends up uh, dead and she's implicated in his murder. But anyway, that's that's another story. Um, so, but yes, yeah, so he is, he's made out of Leicester. Now, what I again, an area I don't know about, but this 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 is something to look into. Maybe maybe somebody wants to um, think about this. He's made an earl. There are two levels above earl, so I don't know how that happens or not. Uh, Marquess and and duke, and he's not made either of those. So not only is he um, he's elevated to the Earl of Leicester, but he's not elevated higher. Um, I mean, Elizabeth had had this idea that he would marry her and then bring Mary back down to uh, London and they would live in some sort of menage a trois. Now, uh, yeah, it seems seems unlikely. And anyway, Robert Mm. wasn't up for it. Like I say, Mary wasn't up for it. So it, it didn't happen. Mary ends up marrying um, Darnley. Um, in fifteen seventy, there's a, a northern uprising, um, and I mention this just because uh, it's more about Elizabeth's story than is Elizabeth and Robert. But I mention it because it's just interesting when we think about. We've talked about Mary, the first Elizabeth's elder sister who, of course, had the soubriquet Bloody Mary for her burning of Protestants. Um, Now, she also, of course, ordered executions in the wake of the White Rebellion, which we mentioned. Her, um, well, their father, Henry VIII, after the Pilgrimage of Grace had also ordered executions and any of you who've watched the Tudor series will remember it's very I thought it was very harrowing episode where there the the king's henchmen effectively are sent to the north to subdue it's like a preemptive strike against any further uprisings by hanging people from every village um in a show of you're not going to do this again. Um, so, but this is just interesting. 
after the Northern um, Uprising, so in January 1570, Elizabeth orders that people are hung from every village, in every village that's had a uh, had any involvement. Between eight and 900 people are hung. And just for context, that's four times as many as her father had hung after the pilgrimage of grace. And it's nine times more than Mary had executed after the White Rebellion. Um, right, there's one bit I missed out because 1562. Oh, and th yes, so there's there's another book I'm going to recommend. If you if there's a there's a um a very good chapter about this in Gareth Russell's book on the palace, because at Hampton Court Palace in 1562, Elizabeth falls gravely ill, and she she's caught smallpox. Um, Lottie, uh, random people, specifically those involved. Um, I, I don't know to, to, to be, to be honest. Um, maybe some that were directly involved. Um, but this is a warning. This is a, this is a, this is, this is a, you will not do this again. So, the due process that would have been required to determine if every individual had actually actively been involved in the uprising and what role they would have had, I, without knowing the detail, I would be surprised if it was there, if that answers your question. Um, but back in 1562, Hampton Court Palace, Elizabeth I falls ill with smallpox. She is at death's door. She was very nearly lost in 1562. So, remember, in 1560, Amy Robsart has died. The influence of Robert on the Queen is already a cause of concern to people who don't like Robert, people who just want their own um, influence on the Queen to go uh, ahead unhindered. Um, but in 1562, so only two years, I don't think it's even quite two years after Amy's death, when Elizabeth falls ill with smallpox, she has not named a successor. She refuses to name a successor for the entirety of her life. It's it's questionable as to whether she ever actually um, named or gave her assent to James VI of Scotland being her successor. But anyway, she definitely hasn't at this point uh, made any uh, uh, noises as to as to who will be her successor. But on her deathbed, uh, not on her deathbed, but on her near deathbed. She what she she tells her counsellors that she wants Robert to be created in the event of her death to be created Lord Protector with a salary of £20,000 a year. The counsellors agree to her face, but as soon as they're out of the room, are trying to work out what's actually going to happen. Um, and there's. Uh, Probably the, the the bulk of the element to to be concerned with here is that um, that this just isn't viable. This this isn't viable for for Robert Dudley to become Lord Protector. That makes no sense. 
That makes no sense. You know, Lady Jane Grey, Queen Jane, uh, named in Edward VI's device for the succession, cannot remain queen for long. Um, so uh, and you've, and you've still got at this time, of course, Mary, Queen of Scots, with Tudor blood running through her veins, who is actively pursuing, even once she's a prisoner in England, actively pursuing her um, position in the English succession. So that plays, I think that shows, that plays Elizabeth's cards there. Um, she trusts Robert. She clearly they're in love. Whether that, well, we'll do a bit of a poll at the end, whether that you think they did or they didn't. Um, but clearly, clearly they're very close. Clearly she trusts him completely. Um, but I, it sounds like a, uh, a thing that she, it doesn't sound very considered. And Elizabeth, remember, is incredibly ill at this point. Um, when she when she says that she wants Robert to be Lord Protector of England in the event of her death. But you can see then why people are concerned. Um, so then we get, um, um, oh, I should say as well, despite um, Robert not being up for this marriage potential to Mary Queen of Scots, he did favour her claim. He was he was somebody who he was trying to encourage Elizabeth to name her successor. He understood that the the, the well the lack of stability that came with not naming naming a, a successor. Now Elizabeth was always concerned, and indeed she said, and it's pinched from Roman history. Um, one of the Roman uh, emperors, I'm sure, already had said this, but basically that that people are more concerned with the rise. Concerned isn't the right word, is it? More taken with the rising than the setting sun. In other words, if she names her successor, she will immediately lose people to them in terms of her being able to actually rule over them. Mm. So, um, so she never, but she never ever does it. And there's a payoff. There's no exact perfect answer to Elizabeth's succession. Not aim, naming an heir leaves it distractingly high on the agenda of the English government. Distractingly high. Um. What else is not getting done because they are discussing for the entirety of her reign who is going to be taking over from her? Um, Melissa, over in Cape Cod, hello, welcome. Um, so where did I get to? Um, so, yes, yeah, so Robert is actually keen for her to, um, uh, to name a successor. Lottie Rose says she's very smart in not naming a successor. It's uh, let everyone run around for her like ants <laughs> trying to win favour. Indeed, indeed. But what I'm saying is I don't think there was a perfect um, solution. Her not naming a successor also 
had downsides, big downsides. Um, because people would, were trying to work out, were trying to work that out anyway. So they were then hedging their bets on potentials. Um, right. So then, so then where have we got to? So 15, 70, we have that Northern Uprising where Elizabeth gets uh, orders the executions of, of between eight and 900 people. Um, and in 1572, there is um, the St. Bartholomew, Bartholomew Day's, excuse me, the St. Bartholomew Day Massacre in, um, in, uh, uh, in, in France. Um, and the fine line, well, actually, um, Gareth's going to be doing a talk on this soon. And if you're on Patreon, you'll, you'll get to see this. He's talking about the aftermath of the Bartholomew Day massacre. It is not possible for Elizabeth to continue and actually it hadn't been for a little while, but to try and tread this fine line between managing the religion of the country, between, you know, allowing Catholics to kind of get on with it. Um, the anti-Protestant, sorry, the anti-Catholic feeling in her own council um, grows and grows, um, especially because you had um oh goodness was it Cecil who was in uh who was there at the time somebody was there at the time I think it was Cecil and they, so they come back or was it Walsingham someone can google google that for me but anyway so her her close advisors are um physically um uh, sorry are yeah physically witnesses to this to this massacre and are then for the rest of their lives vehemently uh, anti-Catholic. Melissa, you did get a welcome, but you might not have seen it if it was on my Instagram story. Melissa is um, is in my Patreon. I, I will re re welcome you if you didn't see it. I'll make sure you do that. But yes, <laughs> it's lovely to have you in there. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Um, yeah. So I won't go into that story in any particular detail now, but it's it's just. Things are starting to change. Elizabeth is excommunicated by um, Pope Pius V. Um, there's the St. Bartholomew Day Massacre. Anti-Catholic tensions in England are building. Um, next week, in fact, we're going to Harvington House as part of the tour that we're on next week, um, which is a brilliant setting for telling the recusant story uh, in Elizabethan England, the, the lengths that Catholics then had to go to um, to remain practising their faith was quite extreme. Um, but anyway, with this as a backdrop, um, Robert is still, he, so the death of Amy Robsart makes it very difficult for Elizabeth and Robert to marry. She died in 1560. 1575, um, Robert is hosting Elizabeth at Kenilworth Castle, which she um, was a royal castle she gave him the lease for. And 
she's visited there, visited him there a few times. But this time he, for the, ready for this visit, he has built um, a really an entire wing for her. It mirrors the um, the 11th century keep and, well, sort of in design, but it gives Elizabeth her own set of apartments while she is at the castle. He also has um, built, uh, designed, built, a, I don't know who designed it, but anyway, a garden there for her private use so that she has some time away from people. The clock is stopped when she gets there because time is going to stand still for the Queen's visit. So she's there in July 1575 for 19 days. And there is um, the, there's the potential that actually it was supposed to be 21. Um, but something happened and she cut it short. Whether this sustained efforts on Robert's part to persuade eventually Elizabeth to please marry him, whether maybe that was too much, maybe the weather changed, maybe she got bored, I don't know. But it's a 19-day visit. Potentially, it should have been slightly longer. That's in 1575. It's Robert's last-ditched attempt, really, well, publicly. This is all public. So, you know, there is no sort of behind uh, closed doors relationship. Um, it's clear they love each other. It's clear they're close. It's clear that he wants to marry her. Elizabeth is constantly playing the political um, love match game of trying to keep in with France, for instance, um, by dangling the carrot of a marriage. So whether or not, well, we can discuss this at the end, whether or not they did it and whether or not she was ever seriously thinking about marrying him. He clearly would have married her. He seriously was thinking about marrying her. But of course, in, uh, I say, of course, you may not know, in 1578, he marries her kinswoman, Letty Snowles, who um, is described as a sort of younger lookalike of Elizabeth. They marry in secret. And I think it was an ambassador um, who tells Elizabeth. And she is livid, absolutely livid. And she banishes Lettuce from, well, they banish them both from court, but she has Robert back. Um, but um, Lettuce is, I don't think she ever comes back to court. Um, I've forgotten to say something about Amy Robsart's death, but Elizabeth did banish Robert from court then, and she set up an inquiry, but he was exonerated. But anyway, with this, she's she's furious that he's he's married again. He's married in secret. He's married her kinswoman. He's married a lookalike. I mean, it's got to have hurt. So, um, so she's banished from court. Um, where are we we get into an hour, so I will I will do this last little bit. Fifteen eighty seven. We have the Spanish. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Don't. Fifteen eighty seven. Mary Queen of Scots is finally executed. Now, by this point, with the raise, rising rising Catholic tensions, with Mary herself becoming involved in escape plans. She's been here for a very long time. She, she's, she's incarcerated for the best part of 20 years. Um, but Robert goes from uh, initially supporting Mary's claim and, and, and sort of 
or favoring should I say Mary's claim to to actually encouraging Elizabeth that she does have to sign the death warrant for for Mary so in 1587, Mary is executed. This is supposed to, Elizabeth has been sold the idea that this is supposed to bring stability to, to the realm. This is supposed to take away the Catholic threat. Of course, it has the opposite effect. Catholic Europe is incensed. They didn't do anything to come and get Mary, by the way, beforehand, but neither did her son. Um, but this is a great excuse. And the Spanish Armada comes in 1588. Uh, and if you want to read more on that, the um, I have a paid blog on Substack and it's in my Patreon as well about the Armada maps, which I saw a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a few weeks ago. A couple of months, a few weeks. Um, and I go into that in a bit more detail about what happened there and link it in with the Tilbury speech which Elizabeth gives this Tilbury you know the very famous one I have the I may have the body of a weak and feeble woman but I have the heart and stomach of a king and a king of England too and etc 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 so the Spanish Armada comes the year after Mary Queen of Scots is executed Robert is um uh heading the troops at Tilbury he invites the Queen to come and inspect the troops. That is where she gives this famous speech. And I talk about this in the blog because the timings seem to indicate something rather interesting. Um, and actually, I have a video about her, with her Tilbury speech in it, if you're interested, and also me going to try and find the location that she delivered the speech. If you want to see that, that is on my YouTube channel. Um, I will, if I remember, and please feel free to prompt me. If I forget, I will put a link to that in my Instagram um, and Facebook stories as well. But she sees, so she goes and inspects the um, troops. She has dinner in uh, in Dudley's tent. And she uh, she goes and and, he, and 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 this is the last time they see each other. Um, he is already feeling pretty unwell, and he decides. I don't know if he decides or she tells him to go and take the waters at Buxton. Buxton is in the Midlands, so he would have made his way up. Um, from Tilbury, potentially stopping off at Kenilworth, um, his seat at Kenilworth, and making his way up to Buxton. He's staying at um, uh, at a an acquaintance's, a friend's house at Cornbury in Oxfordshire. Um, when he 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 dies, he's he's penned a letter to her in the meantime, asking how she is. She seems to be having some ailments, aches and pains, and he's inquiring after her health. She gets the letter um, and then, of course, uh, following that, gets the news that, he, that he, he's in fact died on his way to Buxton. And she writes on it his last letter and she keeps it folded and in a casket by the side of her bed. She goes into deep mourning. She um, locks herself away for days um, and is absolutely bereft and distraught. Um He's buried at St. Mary's Church uh, in Warwick, um, which unfortunately we won't have time to go and see when we're on tour next week. So we've got a very, very busy day that day. But um, he's buried with Lettuce Knowles, his his final wife, uh, second or third. I'm not sure there was another marriage in the middle, potentially. Um, 
and they are both the end of their lines. Robert Dudley has no living heirs, neither do any from his other brothers. Um, they uh, died childless. Um, he and Lettuce had had a son, um, which they'd named Robert, but he had died at the age of four. He's buried in St. Mary's uh, Church. In the, they're all in the Beecham Chapel, uh, as is his brother Ambrose Dudley as well. Um, yeah, the the little boy um, had predeceased them, so so they're all they're all in that in that chapel. It's an amazing chapel. I put some photos of it on uh, on my Instagram, so please feel free to check them out. So there's a couple of questions that I'm I'm interested to know your thoughts on. Um, the first one is, do you think Elizabeth ever seriously entertain the idea of marrying Robert? Um, and do you think that Elizabeth and Robert's relationship was ever physical in the fullest sense? I'm not in history after dark at the moment, so... <laughs> Which, while you're thinking about that and typing your your uh, answers and comments to that, tonight is Roundup Week on History After Dark. So you can join me again live at quarter past eight tonight on history.afterdark on Instagram and History After Dark on YouTube. And we'll be um, summarising the last four um, people that we've been discussing, whose names have escaped me, uh, and we'll be scoring them as well in the League of Gits deceased gets so um ali says no she knew how she would lose her complete power if she married a man it, i mean interestingly she she ends up losing power anyway um yes they were considered subordinate to men but also remember that her sister mary had married had married somebody of her own rank and yet had still put in place um measures that meant that she was not subservient to him she is shown on his left um on philip's left on the coins she i believe stood on the left when they got married um and very clearly um stipulated that he could not take the realm after if she died um the Harvard Bookstore has a copy of The House of Dudley. Very good. Yes, I'll give you my book recommendations as well in a moment. So I, I still think there's the potential that Elizabeth just ran out of time. And some of you who are a bit younger, Ali, <laughs> might, I can tell you, uh, suddenly you feel like you've run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> for all sorts of things um and uh i mean she comes to the throne unexpectedly really and we, we kind of see it as a kind of obvious it was going to happen but it, it 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 probably wasn't um and that stops all the plans potentially i mean like I say though robert was already married so he's he'd already been taken um which makes it difficult to actually think would they have got married we if he if he had not married amy robsart i don't think we'd ever have had to have the discussion 
Um, I think they would have made their move already if they were allowed to, of course. Um, but why would Mary or Edward and then Mary... Well, Ed, if it was... Would they have been old enough? Yes. If it had been during Edward's reign, when the Dudleys were in favour, then maybe Elizabeth would have been able to marry him. Um, Lottie says, I think in an ideal world, she would have loved to marry him, but I think realistically she knew it wasn't possible. Yeah, but she was definitely in love with him. I agree. I agree. And like, yeah, so like I'm thinking now, I'm thinking if, if Amy, if he hadn't have married Amy, we might have seen them married earlier. Um, because she does end up losing power anyway, in a way, um, because people have to try and decide what is going to happen. And she gets incredibly depressed as well. Um, her, her grandfather, Henry VII, had as well. Um, no wonder, really. Uh, SJ says she may have wanted to marry him, but I don't think she could have successfully married anyone given the political climate. And yeah, they did it. <laughs> Uh, Chelsea, I don't know if if she ever seriously considered marrying him, but I fully believe they were physical. They knew each other for such a long time and trusted each other completely. In the same way that knowing that getting married would be unwise, um, I, in the same vein as that, is getting physical not have potentially have been incredibly unwise although as a, a complete aside to this uh but kind of relevant but I'm not saying it specifically in this case that I, I would people not have been a bit more inclined to understand cycles how people got, how women got pregnant um how you might not get pregnant Maybe they maybe they didn't, but I don't buy um, that 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 is automatically the case just because they lived before us. Like as if we are the pinnacle of all knowledge and understanding, which we we're not because we're so in terms of especially in terms of um, attachment to nature and understanding sort of how we live in the world and our bodies. I feel like we're more detached than ever, um, and in a world where there's no distractions and you have to take care of your body because uh the repercussions of not doing so are so grave um literally sometimes um that um would they just know of what to do and what not to do when when you know when you're when you're a teenager you're told oh you could get pregnant at the drop of a hat and then you find out when you do want children that there's like a day a month where you can actually get pregnant would they've known that um jess says i'm not sure she would um have ever married after what happened to her mother and the example of marriage she grew up with but it is very sad that she couldn't marry him and be happy yes of course we haven't talked about the awful experiences she would have seen the women she loves and was close to go through um uh amy says no i don't think she considered marrying him i think they did do it though oh, okay uh interesting sherry uh, it was a yeah the great mystery of amy's death um sj unwise maybe but the mistake would have been a lot easier to make in the moment yeah yes i see what you mean who thinks of the consequences when it comes to that yeah um 
uh, in Samburusa, any woman of power will lose certain aspects of that power once they're married. It happens to all women of powers everywhere. So, so yeah, so she, she held on to the power longer by not getting married. Hmm. And of course, like we've said as well, this, um, the dangling the carrot um, of foreign um, uh, alliances lasted oh, clearly obviously a lot longer than had she have had she have got had she have got married at any point that would have been the end of that um yeah so i was going to say there that that ties in actually with estelle's talk that she's doing at the tudors online history festival because she's going to be talking about elizabeth I and catherine de medici who put forward three of her sons as marriage prospects to elizabeth the first one, Elizabeth has said, was too young. But by the third one, she's still uh, entertaining, publicly anyway, entertaining the idea. Um, yeah, and Aga says that Elizabeth made a vow as a teenager not to marry. Now, teenagers do do stuff like that. <laughs> teenagers do do make big declarations when they're, you know, do you remember being a teenager and being absolutely certain you knew everything? You knew it. Um, so I think, yes, I think it's a little bit too simplistic, in my opinion, just if you think of human nature to say that something someone said once um, would never have, uh, their attitude to that would never have potentially ebbed and flowed. And then, yes, of course, in the end, she doesn't marry. So we can link it back to that and go, well, she would never intended to. But is there any, you know, does that actually mean that in the interim there was no wavering? Everyone, we've been on a long time today. It's one hour and 15 minutes almost. So um, I'll wrap it up there. Oh, no, book recommendations. Book recommendations. Okay, so because in 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 researching this for today and looking stuff up, uh, reminding myself of things, there uh, there's a few books that I've been dipping into, which I think you will really enjoy if you haven't already read them. House of Dudley, Dr. Joanne Paul. Okay, specifically the House of Dudley, you can watch an interview that I did with her on YouTube. Um, the Tudor, the family story from Leander Delisle, that is a very good book. Please do read that one. Um, that one is going to be in the long list for Book Club 2024. So in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to be announcing the, the long list. Is that what they call it when you do book awards because it's a short list so I'm calling mine the long list the other the, the first bit is the long list um and the and Tudor the family story is going to be on that list and I'll be asking patrons to uh to vote on which book books they want in the book club for 2024 so if you're interested in book club um and you're not yet a patron patreon patron in patreon I'm not sure what I'm supposed to call people um then uh if you if you join in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be able to be part of the vote for which books we uh, read in 2024. Anyway, the Tudor, the family story by Leander Delisle, uh, Blood, Fire and Gold by Estelle Perron, um, which I've mentioned a couple of times already. Uh, the Palace by Gareth Russell. Oh, by the way, there is an interview with Estelle. Uh, on that book on my YouTube channel as well. The Palace with Gareth Russell, because it has that... Um, particularly has the uh, 
the chapter covering Elizabeth and her smallpox episode at Hampton Court Palace. Uh, again, there's an interview with Gareth on my YouTube and you can catch all that on the podcast as well. Um, and the other book I would recommend is The Sisters Who Would Be Queen by Leanza Delisle. That is our next book. It's the second book down in my stack, if you can see that. Um, it is actually the next book in our book club. Uh, we're meeting on the 12th of um, November for that one. Uh, Becky says, Will... Oh, hello, Lisa. Be Becky says, Will Gareth's new book be on the, on the long list? It will be on the long list, yes. Yes. So the palace will be on the long list. And then from the long list, we'll make the short list, which will actually just be the list. So there you go. Um, Lisa's recommending Sisters Who Would Be Queen as well. And the, the actually, the tidbit that I got out of there that I haven't actually shared is uh, when I said that it was clear that Robert was having influence with the queen, a brilliant example of just how much sway people thought um, he had with her is the story of Catherine Gray, a uh, sister of Lady Jane Gray, who um, she secretly married the Earl of Hertford and she fell pregnant very quickly. Apparently they were in bed for a very long time, didn't really leave. Anyway, so she fell pregnant and at eight months pregnant, she, um, she was desperate she hadn't told Elizabeth that they got married. Clearly, therefore, Elizabeth's not going to know that she's pregnant. She is in the line of succession um, uh, because she's she's in the legitimate line of, of Henry VIII's uh, younger sister, Mary. And she, so Catherine goes to Robert Dudley to ask him to intercede on her behalf and tell Elizabeth that she's married and she's pregnant. So, I mean, he's he's not successful uh, in that Catherine ends up in the tower, Hartford ends up in the tower, um, but she, um, uh, yeah, but, but clearly Catherine feels like he would be, he's her only hope to talk to the Queen about her situation that just that's just indicates um the kind of level of of influence that people think she has um and that is from uh, that 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 story is from the sisters who would be queen in uh, by leander delisle so all oh, those two leander delisles in that book i just in that book list i just realized um so remember as well so out of that book list you can hear estelle joanne and um, Gareth speak at the uh, at the Tudors Online History Festival, and you can get your tickets for that. Let me remind me and you at the Tudors twenty twenty three dot eventbrite dot co dot uk. If you're a patron, there's ten percent off. So if you're a patron and you want your ticket, please go along to patreon.com forward slash British history and follow the link from there and you will get 10% off your ticket. It's 20 pounds for a full price ticket. Um, and like I say, it discounts for patrons. So everyone, oh, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Thank you for uh, sticking with me for this very long one. That was fun. I hope you enjoyed that. I will be kind of with you next week. Um, I've pre-recorded something for you. Follow me on Instagram and uh, Facebook for the stories so you can follow the tour. 
join patreon.com forward slash British history if you want some behind the scenes content and also if you want early access to Jonathan Foyle's interview, uh, which is, oh, I think you're going to find it very interesting, very insightful and very like, oh, did he just say that? He did. So, uh, yes, Becky, I'll see you tonight. Anyone who's around uh, 8.15 UK time, we have History After Dark. We have the Roundup. It's Roundup week, but we also have a bit of a rant we want to do. We have a, we have a bees, a collective bee in our collective bonnet, and we are going to be expressing stuff. So, thank you, everybody. I will see you tonight, hopefully or next week. And I will definitely see you live the week after. All right. Bye-bye. Bye everyone.